the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's really quite simple, but it is paramount that as believers we understand the truth of it so that we know just how great grace really is. Death by one has created death to all. We'll talk about that coming up today. was our representative, the best of the best. He was the one that God chose. If anyone could succeed, it would be Adam. But he failed. And by his death, we have all died. That's what the Apostle Paul is laying out here in Romans chapter 5, verses 12 through 21. Death to us all by Adam's sin is the title of our message today. This is Abounding Grace from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Join us and be encouraged as we continue our journey through Romans. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's program. Some sections of Scripture seem more immediately practical than others. But in our age where everyone is concerned with practical or is it relevant to my life, remember one thing. We cannot practice what we are ignorant of. We cannot practice godliness We cannot practice it in our families unless we understand the fundamental doctrines of God's word. The Holy Spirit will teach our proud hearts just how dead in sin we are, and not just as individuals. Our entire race is sunk under the judgment of God. Do you know why there is terrorism? Do you know why there are murders? Do you know why there is disease? It is because the human race is under the judgment of God. Do you want to know why our cemeteries are so full? Have you seen the pictures of Arlington Cemetery and seen the thousands who have been crucified on the altar of our nation's hubris? Our nation is under the judgment of God. Mankind is under the judgment of God, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have lost any sense of our collective ruin. It is all about the individual. It's all about what's going on with me, me and my life, me and my time, me and my friends. But scripture takes us higher. The Holy Spirit leads us higher. We have solidarity with each other in sin and death because of Adam's sin, the head of the human race. Solidarity is a word you will hear me use quite a bit today. You can substitute it for union if you would like. But I like solidarity because the rebels of this world in such places as labor unions and other groups, have often picked up this word solidarity, meaning we are one. 
So let me tell you what we are one in from this passage. We are one in sin and death. Now there is another head that has come forward, Jesus Christ, and he is the only one who can rescue us from our covenant with death in Adam by bringing us life and righteousness in place of our sin and death. So to comfort us with our collective ruin as well as to drive us to Jesus Christ, our only Redeemer. The Holy Spirit goes back to the beginning of our sad history, the sad history of our race, Adam's fall. Now listen, Adam was the first man, and he was also covenant man. God set him in the Garden of Eden on what should be called his probation, which was also our probation. If Adam had listened to God, if he had submitted his heart to obey God, we and he would be confirmed in our created uprightness forever. But if he chose to disobey God, he would bring death to us all. And he chose to disobey God and to bring death to us all. Understand that Adam did not act for himself alone. Adam was our representative. Adam was our covenant head. In him, we sinned, not mystically, but covenantally. Now listen, this is vital. And this is why Paul brings this forward here. This is vital to understanding the main theme of this epistle, which is justification. Just as in Adam, we sinned, we died, and we came under condemnation. So in Christ, if we are united to him, we are given righteousness and life in place of our sin and death. In other words, we are saved by virtue of being represented by our covenant head now, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul calls him in 1 Corinthians 15.45, the last Adam. So understand, everyone in here may or may not be a Republican or a Democrat. Everyone here may not fit into one, two, or even 12 social economic categories. But everyone in here fits under one of two heads. You are either under Adam, sin, death, and judgment, with everlasting condemnation and hell to follow, or by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting of your sins and clinging to his blood and his cross, you are given righteousness and life. You might say, good, that's all I need to hear. Let's go home. No, that is not all we need to hear because we need to be deeply, deeply struck by how lost we are or we will never run to Christ. Why is piety so low today? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Really? Then why do you cuss so much? I don't know. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I do fornicate with my boyfriend. Why? I don't know. It's no big deal. I mean, I'm forgiven. Oh, I shoot some drugs from time to time. I even rob for my employer as I, I don't really work the full hours I say I do. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I dabble a bit in pornography. Why is our age such a low age of piety? It is because sin has not scared us to death. 
Because, well, after all, everyone sins, right? No big deal. This passage of Scripture has a variety of purposes, and it is impossible for us to exhaust them all. So we are only going to look at two or three verses today. But one of them is this. You will never run into the arms of Jesus and flee to him for refuge, and neither will I. We will never hold fast to him as our life, our joy, our salvation. We will never speak of him with compulsion before others naturally for what he has done for us unless we are deeply struck with how he has delivered us from such an abominable ruin and rebellion against God. So this passage is very, very important. Now some people have said, Adam was just a set of, just set a bad example for us. Pelagius said this. If you remember, he was a 4th century British heretic. And he still has many squawking, squawking followers today. They said, we didn't sin in Adam. He just kind of set a bad example. But of course, if that is all that Adam did, then we know if we are going to follow the parallels in this passage, how does Jesus save us? Pelagius would say by setting a good example, which some of you probably know is Thomas Jefferson's theology. But what happens if that is all Jesus did for us was set for us a good example? Then we're all on our way to hell and enjoy the free fall. Because we cannot follow his good example. We cannot obey God perfectly, perpetually, and personally, as our catechism says. It is absolutely impossible for us to do so dead in our sins. Now, if Pelagius was correct, and Adam's sin did not materially impact us, making us guilty and bringing us under the wrath and curse of God... Here is the question for our Arminian brothers, extended, of course, in all love, hoping that the vast majority of them simply do not understand what they say. Why is it, if all Adam did was set a bad example for us, that everyone has followed his bad example to a man, woman, and child, yet there has never been one righteous man, no, not one, why does sin and death reign everywhere? You see, until we humbly accept God's word and what he teaches on this subject, there is no explanation for sin and death in the world. But it also means there's no hope of reconciliation. This is the plain teaching of this passage of scripture. If Adam did not damn us by his disobedience... Christ cannot save us by his obedience. These two things are tied together. You cannot pull them apart. Let me say it again. If Adam did not damn us by his disobedience, Christ cannot save us by his obedience. In other words, there is then no covenant. Let me say it in modern language. It is every man for himself. Every man can sue me and every other man around him according to his sin, his judgment, and his folly. 
You see, this is the failure of not taking seriously Adam's creation as the first man. Liberals throw them all out. Mainstream Protestantism buried in the grave. It is dead. It is gone because if you deny Adam's creation as the first man, not one of many after evolutionary cycles that went on for 10 gazillion years, if you deny what Scripture teaches... If you deny that Adam was the covenant man, our head, who represented us, if you deny the fall, then guess what you have done? You have snatched the heart out of the Christian message and trampled it on the ground. You see, our problem is not that we have done a few bad things and that we need a little bit of help. Please, someone stroke me. Please, someone make me feel better. Please give me something, Pastor, that will make my marriage, my finances better. I don't want you to touch anything else. I don't want you to touch my innermost thoughts. I don't want you to touch how I spend my time, my money. I don't want to talk about me yielding to God and obeying Him. But I do have these other problems. Could you please help That's not the issue, is it? The issue is that at the very root of our existence, we are poisoned by Adam's transgression. At the very root, we have been poisoned. His transgression made us, because he was our representative, sinners, and brought upon us what the old commentators called penal death. Death, not just in your eyes closed, And you stop breathing. But the judgment of God, alienation from him, so that even in living, it is a living death. Remember what he told Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 2.17. In the day that you eat of it, dying, you shall die. Your soul, your spirit, your mind, your will. In terms of their relationship to me, who gives them life and meaning... It will die. This is what we have come under as a result of Adam's sin. But we have a greater hope as well, as this passage goes on to teach, and that we will look at more Lord willing in the weeks ahead, because a second head has come forth to save us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ought to praise God, beloved, for the mercy to our condemned race. Listen to this verse in Isaiah fifty nine sixteen. Look it up later and meditate upon it. And he, that is the Lord, saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation unto him and his righteousness, it sustained him. Now listen, before we go through verses 10 through 14, we must remember we will never cling to Christ unless we realize how damned and condemned and judged we are because of Adam's sin. You might say, I don't need all of that. Yes, you do. Otherwise, why is it in the word of God? God never wastes his words. You see, we have a contagion that is far deeper than our actual transgressions. We have a poisoned root from which they all flow. Young people, the world is really slick. Satan is really slick in his advertising and marketing today. 
sex without consequences, life without responsibility. Just do your own thing. How are you going to overcome that? Now, you can play games all you want. Many of you do. I have. In times of my life, I've just pretended around everyone else I was okay. When do you really come to grips with that? When you stand before the holy God and you realize, in this I have offended his majesty. And it's not just a few little sins that I have committed here and there in my life. But at the root of who I am, I am a rebel. And then you can appreciate mercy and flee to Jesus Christ. You see, he's not just one hope among many. He's not just my, hey, he makes me feel better when the skies are gray. No, he is my only redeemer. I have no peace with God, no confidence that he will hear my prayers. I have nothing but me alone in a big, bad, dark world in which Satan is lurking to kill. And hordes of ungodly men are swarming around everything good and trying to crush it. But I've got one captain, one savior, one redeemer, one head that can come forward and save me from what Adam has done and what we have done in Adam. And that is, of course, Jesus Christ. Let's turn now to verse 12 and begin looking at our passage. It will probably take me two, three, maybe even more sermons to go through all of this. Um, But let's look at verse 12. Wherefore. Uh, The verse begins closely connecting it with verse 11. Here is the deepest cause of our need of reconciliation. As well as our, as the sure provision that God has made for us in his son. Notice something at the outset in this passage. Verse 12, verse 15, verse 16, verse 17, verse 18, verse 19. One man. One man. This man is Adam. Verse 12, sin entered to the world through him and death by sin. By death is meant God's curse upon mankind. Death is not natural, beloved. But it is the great truth that the soul that sins, it shall die. And that our race stands condemned before God. It is through the, this one man, Adam. That sin and death entered God's pure world and passed to all men. Now listen, our race is unified in death because it is unified in its rebellion against God in Adam. Where did we get this misery? Was it bad genetics? Bad circumstances? No, we inherited by our head, Adam. Already here we are faced with a very vital truth. Death is not a part of living. How many times have I heard preachers lolling the dead to sleep at funerals? Death is just a part of living. You know, you close your eyes and when you open them, you're in green fields and a beautiful rising sun. That is the stupidity of our age. Death is not a part of living. Death is the antithesis of life. 
And at funerals, preachers should be awakening sinners to their peril and not lulling them into damnation. Death is God's judgment upon our race. Even while sinners live, they are dead. They are the walking dead. What does this mean? The soul that sins, it shall die. In the day you eat of the fruit, dying you will die, says the Hebrew. What does that mean? To be alienated from God is to have death in your soul. He is our life, and we have been created to know him, to walk with him, and to love him. Without God, we live without hope and without peace except in ourselves. Now, a lot of people run away from Christ and the gospel, and yet if you ask them, how are they doing? Oh, they'll say, just fine. I'm doing great because, you see, sinners and rebels are like Satan. They would rather live in misery on their own terms, and tell everyone else, oh, I'm quite happy because I did it my way. You see, that is the great evil. That is the root of this and what made what Adam and Eve did in the garden so deadly. Adam basically said, I know what God said. Even even I heard it very clearly, but I don't want to do it God's way. I want to do it my way. It's no wonder that skeptics and enemies of God's truth have attacked the historicity of Adam, that Adam was even a real person. And they have also attacked the face, the fact that he was a covenant man. The dead are always looking for perfumes to cover up the stench. All of their philosophies and theologies and science are nothing but fig leaves to hide from God. Do you want them to be pulled off your soul? Just go into any graveyard and remember what God has said. The soul that sins, it shall die. Now the little phrase at the end of verse 12, by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That little line, for all have sinned, is the most important phrase in the entire section. Because it tells us what Paul is talking about. Now, you're going to have to listen carefully. And remember, this is God's word. You shouldn't even need my enthusiasm to arouse your attention to this. For remember, this is God has spoken. The verb have sinned. Let's pay attention to that first. Hamartia, an aorist, which means past, momentary action like a snapshot of the past. It doesn't mean that every time, but that is its typical use. The sin in question is a definitive act of sinning, not a series of sins, or not the actual transgression that every man commits. Many have wanted to make that phrase say that. Pelagius wanted to. He lived and died on making this phrase say that all men have sinned means that we bring death to ourselves by our own individual decisions to sin, but it won't work. It also is not true historically. Infants that die in the womb don't die because they have actually sinned. 
They haven't actually sinned. And it could be even, it could even be true if we take sin in a little bit broader sense to mean willful knowing transgressions of God's law. But the young who die in infancy have not sinned. So that is not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is not talking about our individual personal transgressions. By the way, that also goes against verses 13 and 14. For Paul says there that those who did not sin, like Adam, did not die. Plus, the passage continued emphasis of between one man and one offense utterly refute this interpretation. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.